Hello and welcome to Beckett Talks, the new podcast from Leeds Beckett University. In these podcasts, we'll be showcasing our diverse community of students and academics, touching on the important themes that surround universities today. And it's time for Beckett Talks Research. I'm Dee, and each week I will be showcasing the interesting and innovative research community here at Leeds Beckett as part of this podcast series. In this week's episode, we look back at an interview recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic with Dr John George. He is a reader at the School of Clinical and Applied Sciences here at Leeds Beckett University, and his area of research is microbial biochemistry, which sounds incredibly interesting, but I know absolutely nothing about it. So, to begin with, John, can you tell me how you got interested in this field of research? So I've always been interested in, in the really small things in life, uh, in particular sort of bacterial cells, kind of the smallest independent life form that we know of, but uh, incredibly complicated. They can... Um, able to adapt to a variety of environments and they can respond to changes in that environment quite quickly and of course they've been on the earth for four billion years so they're extremely successful. Despite all of that um, we know very little actually about how um, they're able to do that or what are the machinery and the mechanisms inside the cell which allow them to be so adaptable and um, are really true survivors of the planet really. Okay, so are they evolving in the same way that we are? They do. I mean, bacteria, uh, they have a number of tricks up their sleeve, and, and one of them is they do evolve rapidly. So they very quickly get used to an antibiotic um, being around. Um, a good example there really is um, when penicillin was first discovered, um, or first used widely, um, it took around 20 years before there was a real problem with resistance to penicillin. Um, today, um, that process seems to be a lot shorter. So a new antibiotic can be used clinically for as little as one year um, before it has to be abandoned because of widespread resistance. Wow, that's, um, that's really unbelievable, isn't it? So how is your area of research going to help with this issue? I try to ask the question, is it possible to recreate life inside a computer? That sounds pretty amazing, recreating life in a computer. That's, that's pretty profound. Um, to some degree it is, um, and to a, a much larger degree it isn't. Um, so what we are able to do is we are able to simulate um, some of the processes of life um, inside, in silico, as we call it. Um, and we can use those simulations as guides, really, to um, shine a flashlight um, where we should be looking within the cell to get deeper answers. OK, so that makes perfect sense. But why not do it in a traditional way? Why do it on a computer? Experiments, which are the kind of the traditional way of doing things in, in biology, um, tend to adopt a, a reductionist approach. Um, and that means that people study one element of the cell in great detail um, for, for their career. And um, that's yielded some very important things, um, structural data and mechanistic data around cells. But what it can't tell you is why that is alive. 
and it doesn't it doesn't tell you how that organism will behave it won't tell you what it will look like and it, it can't tell you how, how it would respond to changes um, using a computer um, we can try and recreate all of the components of a cell and therefore one day the goal is to have a model which can predict from scratch from a genome sequence how, what that organism will look like and how it will grow how it will divide and importantly, what are the weak points in that biology? So I get that you're looking for the weak points in the cell, but how do you start this process? Where do you even begin? Cells, um, whole cells, are the, the result really of the blueprints that are stored in the, in the DNA of that cell. And the DNA you can think of as just an instruction manual on how to build that cell. What I like to do is to take that sequence of DNA and feed it into a computer and the, uh, the computer will then determine what that cell will look like, how it will, be, how it will behave um, and how it will respond to changes in environmental stresses. Um, so it, in a way it's a bit like a black box and in one end you feed DNA information and out of the other end comes biological um, data. And then do you hope you'll be able to predict how that cell or bacteria will evolve in the future? Yeah, I mean that's certainly um, one of the goals really. So if you um, imagine the bacterial cell with lots of different enzymes inside um, and you decide to inhibit one of those enzymes, you could ask the computer um, how is it likely the bacteria will try and respond to this? How will they try and circumvent the activity of that inhibitor? Um, and by doing that um, in an iterative manner, you may eventually um, identify the Achilles heel of the bacterial cell, the one sweet spot, if you like, which the bacteria are unable to bypass or mutate effectively against. Okay, but why is it better to do this on a computer than to use a traditional lab experiment environment? Yeah, again, a really interesting question. So um, the traditionalists have the gold standard that if you prove it by experiment, it must be true. Um, and, and to some degree that, that still holds, but there's no experiment that is 100% error proof. Computers remove human bias. Computers are brute calculation. A cold calculation uh, and sometimes it's in those um, cold calculations that you see things that weren't there before. You find associations which have been hidden for, for a long time and good examples of that are things like whole genome sequencing. Um, people are now realizing that by um, analyzing these large data sets of hundreds of thousands of people you find connections between the genome sequence and medical diseases which were hidden, which were hidden before the advent of both technologies. Um, so really rather than um, computer versus experiment, it's very much a synergy actually. You need both in order to advance science. Okay, so we're going to be back talking to Dr John George about his research after a few words about the School of Clinical and Applied Sciences where he is a reader. 
The School of Clinical and Applied Sciences at Leeds Beckett brings research and teaching together. Their work is focused on those aspects of the health sector that contribute to the health of the whole body. It includes disciplines such as physiotherapy, sports therapy, nutrition and dietetics, occupational therapy, environmental health, health and safety, and biomedical sciences. Most of their courses are accredited by a professional body and their graduates have excellent employment rates within their chosen careers. So if any of these subjects interest you, whether you're starting out on your educational journey or wishing to progress professionally, go to leedsbeckett.ac.uk forward slash CAS for more information. Hello again, we're back with Dr John George and I'd just like to talk to you a little bit more about your research. What is the thing you enjoy most about it? What I've really enjoyed is the attempting to translate those experiments into usable data for um, kind of computer analysis and computer programming in order to develop um, algorithms which can suck in all of this biological data and make its own decision about how that bacteria are able to, to do that. Um, so that's where my passion lies at the minute. Um, but I'm a fairly, uh, I've got a fairly low attention span, <laughs> so I don't know where it will be next week. <laughs> I like to play with computers. I was lucky enough that my parents bought me one of those um, ZX Spectrums when they first came out, you know, with the rubber keys, and I very quickly learned how to um, um, to use that and program that. And but it, it wasn't something I, I could see as being a career for me, because I, I like biology too much, but it just happened today that I live in the perfect time when those two roads seem to collide. <laughs> yes, I agree, that's really lucky, isn't it? But looking at your research, what do you think will be the outcomes you want to achieve? The, the outcome of it for me, um, originally, is uh, to understand how cells um, regulate their biochemistry. Um, we found out quite quickly though that you can use that same technology to find out how to kill bacterial cells. So in other words, how to discover um, possible antimicrobial um, targets. I can see why that is really important, but what do you think are the big issues facing your field at the moment? So there's lots of big issues in our field. The most notable one in microbiology at the moment is of course the antimicrobial resistance problem um, and estimates um, today suggest that by the year 2050 which is only um, a couple of decades away um, bacteria will cause more deaths um, than cancer. There's not been a new class of antimicrobial discovered um, since 1967 <laughs> um, which tells you really um, how clever bacteria are and how difficult it is to find new antimicrobials. Um, so we do need new methodology and um, of course one such option could be um, the use of computer models to do that searching for us. So I can see that using computer models has been really important in your research so far but where do you see this technology moving in the future? The way I'm moving at the moment, and certainly will be for the next uh, five to ten years, is try to involve an element of artificial intelligence into 
the computational models that I try and build. And again, that's going to be there for a couple of reasons, but the, the main one is it will, again, remove human bias. Um, secondly, it'll be a lot faster um, in order to build full-scale genomic models um, using that technique. And today, of course, more and more computer methodologies are being brought into the biological sciences because biology is expensive. Um, to run labs costs a lot of money. So if you are able to do some of that work computationally, you can save millions of pounds. But also, if you understand the computational tool, it also allows you to understand the biology more deeply because you understand what the computer program is trying to do. So, in the simplest of terms for me and our listeners, what is the computer program trying to do? I, li I like to give this analogy um, whenever I get the opportunity. <laughs> it's not, it might not be very good, but if you think of a cell, a bit like being a, um, a building site, and on that building site you have brick layers, people putting windows, electricity cables, and you know all of the jobs of a building site. And then, of course, on top of that, you have the administration and the, the managers and the logistics with the trucks coming in and out. And um, an obvious question is, is, well, which part of that building site could you disable to cause the most damage? And most people I ask about that would be, they say, the bricklayers. Because there's lots of bricklayers and you can't build a house without bricks. Um, but if you put that into a computer model um, and all the, the relevant other information, what you'll find is that, well, bricklayers, yeah, they're important and you'll cause damage for uh, an hour or two. But what you don't realise is that there's a lot of bricklayers in the country and the site manager will ring up an agency and more bricklayers will arrive. So it causes actually minimal damage. Um, the person you want to inhibit <laughs> on that building site would be the accountant. Because with the, account, with, the, with the accounts not being paid and all the rest, you'll cause the massive amount of damage to using the least amount of effort. And that's the type of thing computer models are very good at, at doing and deciphering. And, and that's what we do um, inside a cell. So when you, when you look at how a cell works and the logistics and the, instead of builders, you have enzymes doing the jobs um, and you try and pick um, those non-intuitive targets, which are kind of hidden from humans. Humans actually are extremely poor at predicting things. We think we're good, which is a real mistake. But if you look at the accuracy of human predictions, who predicted Russian independence? Who predicted the wall coming down? Who predicted Donald Trump being in office? Who predicted Brexit? Next to nobody. We're actually really poor at it. And if you don't believe me, just try and predict the football results this weekend and see how many you get right. <laughs> Computers are much, much better. Yep, I will totally believe you in that. We're not very good at predicting the future, but just going back to your analogy there, does that mean you're looking for the accountant in the bacterial cell? Yeah, I'm looking for the briefcase holder of the cell, <laughs> I suppose. That, that one spot that we, can, that we can take out and the bacterial cell will be crippled. Um, it may be a fool's errand, I don't know, but there's only one way to find out. Thank you, Dr. John George. That was really, really interesting. I so enjoyed it, um, learning everything about microbiology and bacteria. 
But if there was one message you'd like our listeners to take away from this podcast, what would it be? Biology is, is full of some of the, well, it's the wonders of life in a way. Biology really is understanding um, what is life. Understanding how DNA um, interacts with RNA, which interacts with proteins and interacts with metabolites. Life is a dance between all of these layers of life. Uh, and, and you need to understand those interactions in order to understand how organisms exist. Thank you, Dr. John George. That was incredibly interesting. And if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please tune in next week when we'll be interviewing Professor Paul Gately about obesity and living in an obesogenic environment. See you then. Today, Leeds Beckett Research Community is delivering innovative, multidisciplinary research, helping to address some of the most pressing challenges we face today. Across a range of disciplines, our researchers are striving to improve quality of life equality and the environment around us. We are dedicated to making a difference and our research pages showcase the real world impact taking place at the university. You can find out more at leedsbeckett.ac.uk forward slash transform. And if you've enjoyed hearing about the research at Leeds Beckett University, subscribe to our channel and listen out for more of our Beckett Talks research podcasts. 